Are you ready? Stay like that, then your toes won't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) One, two, three, and four. Welcome to the RSVP Maybe podcast, where we are always unfiltered and unapologetic. Navigating life's messes as modern day women. I'm Brooke. And I'm Anna, and we're so glad you're here. Welcome to today's episode of RSVP Maybe. I'm your host, Brooke Collins, along with my co-host, Anna King. How's it going, Anna? It's going. How about you? It's moving right along. Typical stressful day in the world of Brooke, but that's nothing new. So, um, Sounds right. (laughs) um, I'm excited about our show just because lots of, uh, you know, we're getting lots of downloads, which to me is like organic and natural and fun. and. I think people are gelling with what we're putting out. So I'm happy that I feel like there's like a movement, like momentum started or movement started for women. And I think people, women are feeling already not so alone from our little teeny tiny podcast. So I think that's cool. I think so too. I think it's a a good space and I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, me too. So last week was um, a good episode talking about none of us are fine. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought that it went, I thought it went well, we covered like a great deal. And I just want to put a disclaimer out that um, we're not uh, professionals cannot diagnose or, um, you know, any medical uh, advice or guidance can we give. I can give advice based off my certifications, but again, not medical. I cannot diagnose or treat any illnesses or disabilities or anything like that. So um, I just think we should put that out there each episode because um, it's important because a lot of people, and Anna knows this is irritates me, but when people come online and act like they're going to heal a a large group of people for say what we're talking about today, which is trauma, Mm -hmm. um, and you're not, in fact, able, educated enough, nor do you have the degrees or the medical knowledge to, like, be um, offering the the healing and the stuff that you're offering um, to trauma patients. Because trauma is a very diverse, um, mm-hmm. a very diverse, I think, mental health issue well pain point for a lot of I think most adults actually um Mm -hmm. so throwing the disclaimer out there because I think people should know we're two women who have gone through our own trauma uh childhood trauma and um that's where we're speaking from experience our own personal experiences. And I may add a little bit more experiences of clients that I've worked with and things like that, or people that I've sponsored in um, my 12 step program. But like, other than that, it's all based off of experiential and situational uh, knowledge. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. And it's not a, a one size fits all. I think that's something that we've talked about a lot. Um, just in listening to different podcasts or what other people put on social media is that what works for one person isn't going to work for everybody else. And I think that's definitely important to note because I've fallen into the trap myself of like thinking, okay, since this isn't working for me again, there must be something wrong with me or I'm doing something wrong. And that's 
clearly not the fact. Right. Not the fact at all. Yes. Not at all. So jumping right in, I feel like I'm my brain is working faster than my mouth is <laughs> has the ability to speak. Um I feel like that's the story of my life. So I get that. Yeah. Well, what we were gonna talk about today, I think really is trauma, but um I wanted to touch on trauma that's not um you know, sexual abuse or abuse, because I think most people in their minds, uh, when they think of childhood trauma or they think of a traumatic event, they think like rape, murder, physical abuse, uh, obviously verbal abuse, um, you know, coercive control, like that kind of stuff. And that's actually, while it's a very big component of trauma, um, there are so many more factors that play into childhood trauma. And I'll start with just like, um, I was listening to Gabor uh, Mate. Um, I think it was on TikTok actually, but he was talking about how trauma comes from the word. It's the Greek word meaning wounding. So it's a wound, an internal wound. Um, <clears throat> and you can be wounded with or without catastrophic events. Mm-hmm. And it's not meeting our needs causes a wound. Um, and society does a very good job as we grow into adulthood of trampling our needs, uh, running over them. And so it can be trauma can be, um, caused by what doesn't happen to you and Mm -hmm. it should have, right. So trauma can be some stuff that doesn't happen to you that should have happened to you, but your needs weren't met. So, um, it's really what happened to you inside, right? As a result of what you went through. So if it's not your, if it's your needs not being met, maybe you had a divorce or parents traveling. And I don't want to use, throw the word neglect out there. Like it's not a big deal, but you felt neglected and you didn't have parental uh, guidance in your life as a child. And therefore you for sure internalized some trauma, which is what a wound internally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people forget that they focus so much on the huge, huge factors of trauma um, that they forget that there are things that are not super terrible, but you as a human didn't get your needs met growing up. And therefore your body is in a state of post-traumatic stress because it's been wounded internally and it's not been healed and released on a cellular level yet. So in my opinion, every person walking the planet level of severity differs obviously, but um, has some form or other of trauma residing within their body as an injury, so to speak. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's, um, I was actually also thinking of touching on the same thing. Like the, there's a, way like obviously a lot of like therapists like the differentiation between the big t and the little t traumas right like you said the big t traumas being those things that we automatically associate with the word trauma and then the little t traumas being the smaller things and how we as a society have a tendency to minimize the impact of the little t traumas and um there was something that i had read earlier about how um, 
like the evidence now concludes that the repeated exposure to little T traumas can cause sometimes more emotional harm than exposure to like one single big T traumatic event. Um, so like you said, I think it's, it's important to note that no matter the size of the trauma, it, I think it's comes down to the impact that it had on you and how you responded to that and carry that throughout the rest of your life. Well, yeah. Um, I think it's just emotional pain and overwhelm and your ability as a child to cope with what's, what's happening to you. Uh, I think dictates the, the adverse effects of the trauma on you as you grow um, into adulthood and what disorders stem from the, the coping or the non-coping with what's going on with you. Um, Cause it is like young children are the most susceptible to be um, put at risk for exposure to traumatic events. Um, I think the impact of mental and physical health problems over a lifespan um, are strongly linked to the trauma dealt with in childhood. And this is like all on the, um, it honestly is coming in the forefront, I think, in the last decade has become mainstream in the last four years has become very heavy uh, information push by a lot of, uh, I think, governmental agencies and, and things like that, that are help trying to help mental health uh, awareness. But um, I got sober uh, 10, um, 10 and a half years ago. Um, and I remember the, intake that I had with a addiction specialist the day after I got out of the hospital. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, you have to answer all these questions. Anyone who's ever done a uh, evaluation with any type of psychological anything knows you have to answer all these <laughs> questions. And, um, I was sitting in his office and when he was done, he like printed this stuff and he's like, okay, I'm going to put you with this therapist and here's why. And, um, you know, he's like, you're, you know, did diagnose, you know, you definitely have um, childhood trauma disorder. And I was like, what? Like, is that even a thing? And here's the thing. It had not occurred to me that I had went through childhood trauma, like at all. Like mm -hmm. that was not something that I uh, would have was even on the radar. Like I just thought I had a normal childhood with a, some extraordinary events happen, you know, that were outside my control, but I wouldn't have coined it trauma. If you would have asked me, I would have, um, I had not thought about that because up to that point where I was in my journey, I would have thought that I would have been exaggerating something or that it would have been victimizing myself to admit that there was some type of trauma in my childhood. I would look therapist dead in the eye and be like, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, my sister like was dying and like getting limbs amputated and having chemo that was like causing mouth sores and couldn't eat. I mean, it was like all this stuff that I think back on it, it's, it is so crazy that I didn't even consider that it would have had a traumatic effect on me probably because, and mm -hmm. um, we were talking about this with another topic the other day, but um, I felt guilty for thinking that I would have been traumatized because my sister is the one who died, you know? Um, right. So I had guilt even trying to like 
wrap my head around that like I could have been affected any other way other than grief and like losing a sibling, um, which mm-hmm. is obviously a traumatic event um, in and of itself. And I think the thing with tra- trauma that that always just knocks my fucking socks off, honestly, is the re-exposure to the emotions that that happens over and over and over, no matter how much time has passed, no matter how much therapy you've done, no matter how much, I mean, for me, like 12 step work and sobriety work and like all the things that I've done with that, like the re-exposure to pain can happen, be triggered so quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll blindside. And I think I don't know, maybe people can write in, but like, I feel like it's pretty fucking normal. I mean, for me, it's the norm for me. No. Yeah. I agree. Same here. It's, it's crazy to think about how things that happened, even when you were so young, like, I think part of what you said that you never would have coined the term trauma with what you went through. But I think too, when you're so young and you're going through something like that, we don't have the ability to even process what it is that we're going through or the extent I think of what it is that we're going through. And then let alone the aftermath of that, the things that you continue to carry on through the rest of your life. Like you said, the feelings that come back even years, decades down the road after you think you've done work. And then all of a sudden you get blindsided by something that you wouldn't necessarily think is a trigger, but it knocks you on your ass because it reminds you of, you know, maybe it's that specific time when you felt abandoned or less than or whatever the circumstances. It's the way that childhood trauma, no matter how big or small, and I use air quotes with that because I don't really think we can quantify, but how it just continues to affect you for the rest of your life is like you said, it's, it's mind blowing and it's hard. Yeah, it is. And I think of like the slew of the, the things that happen as a result of traumas it is starting with what we, people may seem as like minimal, but like, you know, poor academic achievement as a teen or in college or in mm-hmm. your entire academic career, even elementary, I suppose, um, depression, um, inability to keep a job, constant chronic unemployment, um, reactive disorders, attachment disorders, depression, asthma, heart disease, diabetes, stroke, um, addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are all a direct result of things that wound us as a kid that um, we don't heal from. And they're very real. Mm-hmm. And they're, I think, the the thing is, is if people don't make them important and don't like people always get, when I talk about trauma, especially childhood trauma, people will get like, I'm not doing like inner child work. Like that's, I'm like, I'm not talking about inner child work. Although I do think that helps a lot of people. Um, I'm not, you don't want to do a guided anything and talk to yourself, whatever. That's fine. It is affecting adults daily lives teens daily lives just in 
performance levels and their ability to function as air quote normal, what used to be considered normal. Cause I don't even know what is considered normal anymore. Um, it's affecting the ability to live life on life's terms is what I'll go with for a lot of people. Yeah. As a, here, here's an example. As a direct result of what happened to me as a kid or did not happen to me, things that I witnessed as a kid, um, medical, anything, I fucking freeze. I mean, I freeze so bad. Um, I, I won't. My husband has to like handhold me, drag me into a doctor's office. Um, if I'm like, I had to get a surgery five years ago, um, get my gallbladder out and I had like um, some bile duct stone stuck. And so it was a bigger procedure because they couldn't do it laparoscopically. And I mean, my reaction to that probably seemed extreme to some people, but like, I was so paralyzed that I was going to die in this surgery. Like I was going to die. They were going to find a tumor. Like it was going to be big and explode. Like I, my mind went to so many mm -hmm. places and I was so fixated on the, where I was in that fear, but direct result. I mean, I can't even go and get a mammogram without losing my shit. Like, honestly, just being honest. And I've done a ton of work. Mm -hmm. Um, anytime I walk into a hospital, I break out in hives. I start breaking out in a weird anxiety rash. I like my breathing is different. I am not comfortable. If I get my blood pressure taken at a doctor's office and I start to get nervous during it, it I mean, my blood pressure sometimes is like one 180 over like a hundred. Cause I'm like freaking out. Like I literally cannot calm myself down. Um, mm -hmm. thank God my primary care doctor at one point was like, he, he's Romanian. And he's like, you, you get anxiety being in here. And I'm like, yeah, I can't stand it. I like you. You're a very nice man, but I am freak. I'm sweating. I have a pool of sweat at the top of my butt yeah. crack, like even sitting on this thing. <laughs> like I can't, function and so he's like calm down I'm like am I dying am I dying and he looks at me he's like today and I'm like what? <laughs> okay <laughs> great thank you <laughs> appreciate I mean, that my, it's bad I cannot like and when my kids are sick oh god heaven help the people that have had to deal with me and my children have had to go through anything medical um I just I withdraw and then I reenact things in my head or I have some weird memory that comes up that I didn't remember until that moment. And then it's like, game on, I'm dying. Everyone's dying. My whole family's dying. We're all gone. Goners. <laughs> we don't jump to extremes here well, at no, all. <laughs> but I'm assuming other people, I cannot be the only fucking person who that happens to, right? Like there's no way. No. Um, I may be the only idiot loud enough to admit it, but like, I think that <laughs> it's, um, I just, you know, that's where I struggle big time. So if we're throwing out like what, what wounding or exposure to things that aren't happening to you, but are happening around you can do to you. This is what my point is as a primary example of what can happen to you is from exposure of stuff happening around you, but not happening to you. Well, yeah, it takes you back to, you know, those, the fear of when your sister was sick and those feelings that you had in watching her go through that at even today, all these years later, it still affects you. And I think that's something that we don't, again, it's the, and like we talked about last week, the minimization, like we are so quick to minimize 
the impact of the things that we've been through in our life and how they still affect us to this day in ways that I think, I mean, shit, I'm still figuring out ways that the trauma that I've been through in my life is still affecting me today. Mm-hmm. And they're half the time, like I'll be feeling something and I'll be like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And then you'll be like, well, duh, Anna, this is why. And I'll be like, oh, okay. I guess so she never sense. says, okay, I guess like, it makes sense. Don't, that's a flat out lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It might take me like two or three times. <laughs> if you tell me that, or two maybe. years, maybe, but like she'll eventually <laughs> jump on the band, right? This is true. Two years later. It's fine. But <laughs> I think, um, yeah, that's something that we're all still dealing with is, is recognizing the ways in which things that we've been through or witnessed or experienced to whatever degree as kids, how it still has such a huge impact on the way that we respond to situations. Or I think honestly, the way that we just are in the day-to-day, like you said earlier. Yeah, it affects so much. And I guess I'm so used to like talking about the stuff that happened to me, like that I went through, like, I mean, for the most part, I minimize it, don't get me wrong, but I'm used to discussing it. Like, and I, I always try and like think back to, or I try to think about people who are just opening up things for themselves or like, are not, maybe are where I was a decade ago and are like, well, I'm, I mean, yeah, that happened, but like, I wouldn't consider it trauma, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then where I am today is like light years of like, yep, trauma, trauma. I think that's the other, that's the other thing is people get sick of, they use that word like a buzzword. I remember um, like anxiety was a buzzword for a minute. Um, when my, when Gabby, my oldest daughter was in seventh grade, like everyone anxiety, I have anxiety, I have anxiety just anxiety and I'm like do you know what anxiety is because like throwing this word (laughs) around like it's Mm -hmm. an everyday occurrence for every person and it's not so pump the brakes like I don't know what you're reading or learning in health class but like anxiety is not a buzzword it's a real disorder um and there's Mm -hmm. normal nervous stomach before presentation anxiety and then there's actual anxiety like little t big T, little A, big A, like it's um, right. varying degrees of anything we we go through. But I think a lot of people are sick of the word trauma because it is such a buzzword and you can't go on TikTok without oh, drama healing, trauma healing. So I think I really liked listening to the take on just calling it wounded um, mm-hmm. because in, in all reality, that's what it is. Um, and our ability to cope with the wounding that, that we endure. Um, and I did not have coping skills. So I was not given the right set of coping skills for myself. How's that? My parents coped each in different, very, 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 very polar opposite different ways. And so I kind of had people to look at as to how to cope. I wouldn't say that it was healthy for all any of us were just doing the best we could. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. I was not modeled like, Hey, let's go talk about this. Let's do some breathing. Let's meditate. Let's try. I mean, yoga was not even a thing. I don't even think what 93, like it was like a thing, but not in Michigan. It was like in California or New York. So, um, 
I think that there's the coping is the big piece of why the wounding plays such a critical role in your adult life. And I know some people like Anna has said, you can't fucking talk about it anymore. Can't talk about it anymore. I've talked it to death. Like I can't keep talking about what happened. I can't keep Mm -hmm. fixating and talking on it in every modality of therapy that I go into or every self-help book that I read or journal that I take on to write or guided, whatever, Um, which is understandable which is why I think a lot of times more people would feel the benefits of healing if they looked at where your coping skills went wrong with what was going on and talk instead about how you could have coped, mm-hmm. how you would have liked to have coped and how you think you should cope today. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of it too is recognizing that while you may not have coped in the healthiest ways at that time, you did the best you could with what you had. And so those coping skills served their purpose at that time, but are clearly, especially if they were unhealthy coping skills are no longer serving you. I mean, I think that was a big pivotal moment for me and my healing was recognizing that. Like, I still remember the day when I finally realized that I was continuing to cause myself harm by continuing these unhealthy coping skills that while they served me for a long time growing up, they were only, you know, I think in some ways perpetuating the trauma. I was continuing to suffer by my own hand, essentially by continuing those skills. So I think too, it's recognizing that they served their purpose, but they're no longer serving their purpose. And now it's, okay, how do I let go of those old coping skills and then adapt the new healthier skills to move through it? Right, which is very impossible for anybody who's listening thinking this is a bunch of bullshit. It's it's hard to do that because you're not conditioned mm-hmm. to switch on a dime like that. Like our brains are so wired to dealing with the way that we did cope. It's our survival, fight or flight. Um, as humans, mammals were designed to look for danger and avoid it. And mayday, rah, alert, alert, alert. There's pain coming, alert, alert, alert. Um, and if we even perceive that there may be pain around the corner, we're going to like whoosh, and go right back to what we've always known, um, which, you know, I think is okay. I think that the goal is to Mm. always be seeking to try. I think as long as you're trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say trying because that's like an action, right? Like you're implementing, you're attempting to do the new or what you feel is best for you. Because here, you could be doing something that's that's healthy and good, and it's still like the wrong thing for you. Like you're still implementing an incorrect coping skill, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why it takes a a village of healers to help you find what's going to work for you, whether it's crystal sound meditation, whether it's, you know, um, frequency noises, whether it's bilateral stimulation, whether it's deep breathing, whether it's, um, 
checking out with the lights off and sleeping for four, I don't know, four days, whatever it is that like is going to be healthy for you. Again, individualized. It's not a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. And what works for me sure as fuck doesn't work for a lot of people. Blast. I keep saying it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to say F so much people, but not working. So, but what, what works for me is not going to work for everyone else. Right. Right. And truth be told lately, I don't know what the hell works for me. I'm so like drowning in like this overwhelm of like, uh, overscheduling my kid so that she's busy and not causing trouble that I've created a whole other situation for myself in trying to avoid one problem. I've created about 30 others. So, um, that's how I roll. Like, I don't know. I had a therapist say to me once, like, and you're always like, rushing or running behind or um like hurrying to get someplace like do you think that you like thrive off the adrenaline of that and I'm like what no (laughs) no I hate it and she's like you do and I was like well yeah but like it's just the way it is and so I like I have found a way in a calm non-chaotic state to make my life chaotic and not calm without drinking. So I'm picking a healthier coping skill. You may not it's be just drinking. You're <laughs> still gaining something from it. I mean, I think that that's also like we've had a million and one discussions about it. It's like no matter how far you come in your healing journey, like there is no finish line. You know, like you've been healing for how long now and I've been on my healing journey for years now but it's it is something that you're just always going to be carrying with you like there is no moment where you're like oh okay I'm I'm healed now I'm good nothing is ever going to affect me again or it's never going to come up again like that's a bunch of bullshit like it's something that you learn to adapt and cope with and I don't know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think, like you said, trying, I think that is the, the main point is just that you're, you're trying, you're doing the best you can with what you have and you just keep trying to push forward. And that's what matters. Yeah. And don't ever say, this is good. I've got it. Like, yeah, figure it out. Um, it's basically like the equivalent of like when shit's really hitting the fan and you're like, what the fuck else could go wrong? Mm-hmm. You're something, a million things are happening to you that like, you should never have asked that question because it literally, you just opened up the bottom for you to fall through. <laughs> um, but I think one thing that's important to remember, and I'll touch on it and, um, is you're a hundred percent, right? Like it's always going to be this ever evolving process speaking from my own experiences, something new comes up or uh, um, a new thing is triggered that I didn't realize was there. I thought I had healed or, or I thought it was like not that big of a deal at the time. And then I'm thinking on it or reflecting on it now. And I'm like, I was like totally fucked up that that happened. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and so Anna herself is in a state of lotus flowering like phoenix like the phoenix rising from the ashes but 
you know, without getting too personal, because she's still very raw and dealing with a lot of emotions, like we have stumbled on that what you thought everything stemmed from while important to heal and to work through and, and catastrophic, no doubt, is no longer the pain point of what you have to heal and deal with. It's a mm-hmm. you, it's a something totally different that you didn't even comprehend or conceptualize or think was a, a part of, of the process. And that's a huge, um, I think it would help people just to know that that, that happens, you know, mm-hmm. you, someone, like I've said, when I say to her joking, I'm never, ever like being mean, but like, uh, I think someone told you that, like, I don't know, two years ago, two months ago, like I've been saying that since I started when I saw you as a client, I think I said that like the second session, but like, whatever, figuring it out now. Um, but like people from the outside can see things a whole hell of a lot clearer than you can. Mm -hmm. And don't ever be amazed if someone says something to you today and it offends you because you're like, no, it's not thing. What are you talking about? Four years later, five years later, two years later, whatever it may be, you're like, fuck, holy shit, (laughs) they were right. You know, like, yeah, it, it, there's always something more uh, looming underneath for a lot of people, especially if you have multifaceted, multi-layered capital T traumas. But the point is, Little T traumas. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the compounding, uh, the ability to um, be confused about, not confused, putting your energy in the wrong place Mm -hmm. to work on something can cause catastrophic results in your adulthood. Case in point, my friend sitting with me now, like it can (laughs) cause really life altering um, pain that that arises that causes uh, your quality of life to be affected for a minute. So I think it's important for people to know that showing up for yourself is, is important, but also when you're going through it and you unearth or you open up like your mind to the fact that, Oh my God, I think I do need to like heal, like deal with this. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. think it was a thing, but clearly now that I'm like nodding my head and I'm feeling like, yeah, it is a thing. And I, it doesn't matter what that thing is, by the way, like, but dealing with it and not running from it is brave and being able to be vulnerable is brave. And, um, I think if we all took time to be a little more vulnerable with what's going on with us, like me and my psychotic scheduling situation lately, and aging parents that are making me mental and teenagers who are making me want to rip my hair out and a husband who is lately been like a toddler uh, (laughs) added into the mix um, is those are problems. And when I'm at my max capacity for my own interpersonal drama, because there's always a dramedy inside my head, like there's always some movie like my life is a movie in my mind or 90210 from the or 90s the original musical like well yes musical <laughs> always um because I sing it out a lot um true but like th- the thing is is I 
in my mind, there's always this like dramatic, like something's always like, I'm always working and I envision like this pivotal moment happening of like, I'm going to move past that and it's going to feel better. And I struggled for a really long time in the last two years with like my perception of myself and my confidence with myself. Cause I'd gained weight in COVID and like, no matter what I was doing, it was not coming off. And then finally took the route, the long ass route with the insurance and doctors of getting tests to find out what was wrong with me. And now that's getting fixed. And it's interesting how quickly you bounce back when you, you know, drop 26 pounds real quick. Like, Oh, you're my mood. My husband's like, your mood, you're like totally different. You're like back to yourself. And that's the kind of effect that, um, having little dramedies in your head because <laughs> I, I like live in my own reality half the damn time in a non-psychotic way. Um, <laughs> Good disclaimer there. <laughs> I'm aware of what reality is. I'm just saying I'm in my head a lot all the time with my own shit all the time. And so when, when I'm already dealing with the level of dumb shit in my head with my own self and my self-esteem and my image and my confidence, and my worthiness and my value and like all the things I try and deal with all the time. And then you add the the kids and the husband and the parents and the family and the, and the job and the school stuff and the volunteer, like all of it. Like I'm like, I am amazed. I don't have a nervous breakdown. Like, and you heard it. My dad said to me, like, I did, had no idea my grandmother had a nervous breakdown and left for like a week until like <laughs> the last year when my dad's like, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. You just need to calm down. And I'm like, I feel like I am. And he's like, well, my mom did. So it runs in the family. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> right. Wait, let, rewind. What did you just say? Like, why? Dad, this is the second time that you've done something like I had no idea the varying level. My grandfather was an alcoholic who died from alcoholism until I was a drunk and like well beyond <laughs> the the threshold. And now I'm like at this breaking point of mental capacity. And you're, like, you're gonna have nervous breakdown. You know, and just like leave for she a just week. left. She left for a week. She just took off. Didn't come out. Like and yeah. it's like we need to work on his well, I timing. I totally get why she did that. You know, like, I'm like, I get it. Like, I think every day I could just get in my car, drive and go to a hotel for 72 hours by myself and unplug, <laughs> be the greatest thing ever. And then I'm never able to do it. <laughs> so true though. And I think the, um, the running from things, the keeping ourselves so busy because again, and I mean, we could have so many conversations about it, but we as humans, like that's our go-to because we don't want to sit and feel things or deal with things when it's easier to run from it or numb it out or whatever. I think it's, we have to figure out a way to build up that capacity to sit with things in a healthy manner, right? Like not the other end of the spectrum, which I've also been where you just sit and something for too long and then you get consumed with it but, not you yeah, not never you. done that before in my life I also don't overthink I mean there's so many things <laughs> but it's the I don't know finding that balance there but we're so used to especially as our culture here to be on the go to constantly be doing or looking towards that next thing and to just always be on that we don't have the time to to think or deal with and so we just keep stuffing stuff down until we get to a point of a mental breakdown because 
you know, we've been going for so long and we haven't dealt with the little things popping up here and there. And eventually we feel like we're going to crash and burn. Yeah. As someone who has struggled with coping mechanisms for myself, but has worked really hard to try to define healthy coping skills and, and teach my children. I think when you become a mom, you know, the one thing I have always, I've never wanted my kids to have to go through the pain or deal with self-inflicted sacrifices the way that I did. Um, and I've done that. My daughter, older daughter went through a lot of pain, uh, cause with her father and that situation, but, um, she does have, I think, healthier coping mechanisms, even if I don't care if it comes from her looking at me and being like, the bitch is crazy. I'm not <laughs> doing that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care where she get, where she's, I'd like to think it's my modeling, especially when I was like knee deep and getting sober. And like, that was like my, you know, living life on life's terms and letting go and like acceptance and all the things that I still believe in. But I think because she watched me get sober, um, had a little bit more of an impact on her to see my behavior change so quickly. Um, But my little one struggles very much with coping and self-regulation. And it's like really heartbreaking for me. Like I'm not going to cry because I hate crying, but like, I feel like a failure for the way that she is coping because here I am on this show or coaching people, helping people. My husband helps people, saves lives, you know, as a addiction specialist and therapist. And like, our kid is like, not able to cope with the smallest, littlest things. And some of that comes from like post COVID related anxiety and like fears that developed because of COVID. And that's a normal thing. So the therapists tell me, Um, but I, you know, I don't, I don't want to inflict on my kids the um, I don't ever want to put out my kids lights to stop whatever they're dealing with. It feels too much for me. And I think that that happened to me and not intentionally by my parents, of course, like doing the best they could in the moment. Right. But like, I think when you find yourself in a situation where your children are not able to cope or regulate themselves and it just gets so stressful and you snap, it's like, my God, I'm perpetuating the cycle. I've literally worked like 14 years to fucking eradicate. Like in, in one fail swoop, I'm like, boom, there, like reset the pattern for my kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are a parent and you're out there or you're not a parent, you say, I'll never do that. Don't ever say that, by the way, because until you have kids, you have no idea what you will do and what you won't do. Um, I think that coping is to me, the little traumas can happen. Like my youngest daughter has had a fairly, aside from COVID, she's had a very, I think, wonderful life and has a lot of wonderful things in her life and has not had, thank God, anything traumatic happen to her. Big T. Um, I think her needs have not been met because I don't know how to meet them because they're Mm -hmm. different than me. And, uh, I have worked very hard with reading book after book on how to um, help her in a way that she sees the world instead of in the way I see it. And uh, it's not easy. And I feel um, really overwhelmed by it. So 
in talking about trauma and healing from trauma, you could be healed. You could have air quoting, you know, have worked on yourself a lot and, and kids will bring up a lot of old behavior patterns and um, generational stuff passed on by generation after generation, just because that's how it's always been done. And I just keep reminding myself. So I'm saying this to myself <laughs> to help other people, but like, you know, I'm doing the best I can with what I have in the moment. And I don't think my kids feel a lack of love for me. They may feel a lack of empathy for me with my patients, but it's my anxiety when I get overwhelmed. Um, I snap. So, you know, like, I mean, I'll share it in a couple episodes down the road, but like we have a therapy session on Friday for her that I'm like, I can't believe I'm so excited about. Um, mm. But I think, Obviously, we've gotten to the point where we need an outsider to say, okay, Paisley, like, let's talk about how we regulate what works for you. Because what works for her dad that doesn't work for me doesn't work for her. <laughs> what works for me that doesn't work for her dad doesn't work for her. And what works for her older sister doesn't work for her. So um, it's time for someone to step in and say, you know, here's what she needs and here's how she is able to deal with things. And now it's my job in talking about trauma, right? Little T and not meeting people's needs and wounding. It's now my job as her parent who loves her and supports her to try and meet her needs to prevent any more wounding. Like, I don't know if you want to call it like putting a bandaid so she doesn't have to be wounded anymore because I can see it in her particularly, which is funny because my older daughter, by all accounts, should be the one that's totally messed up with no regulation. You know what I mean? I mean, just mm -hmm. based off of the situations, when you look at big T, little T, my tea. children are literally an example of one had big T, one has little T. So, and the one with the little T, like you said, it can be more compounding and more like she's the one who's struggling so much. So, um, yeah, I think this was an important topic. I feel good. I had a therapy session here just now. <laughs> well, thank you for coming to your therapy session. <laughs> Happy to hold the space for you. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think first of all, like the the most important thing is that you recognize that, you know, and that you're giving both of your kids, but specifically your youngest in this case, like the the space and the help that she needs. And I think it's hard. I can only imagine because obviously I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine how hard it is to even recognize that you may not be meeting your kids' needs in a certain aspect. And then to be like, okay, we obviously need, you know, someone else's help to do that. And I think that that is, you know, the first step, like that's the first step to help kind of eliminate maybe not eliminate but work through those small t traumas and you know I think it's like trauma as a whole obviously is is different for everybody and it's it is more about I think the impact than the cause and it's about like I don't know I just I think the important thing to know is that it isn't up to us to like quantify or judge or size up the impact of someone's trauma because only the person who can do that is the person that feels it and I've yeah. I've had so many people and it's to the point where I almost get frustrated 
you know, if I'm going through something and then a friend is also going through something, they'll be like, they'll say they're, they're going through it. And they'll be like, but it's not as bad as what you're going through. And I always am like, no, that's not the case. Like you can't, it doesn't matter what I am or I'm not going through. It doesn't take away from the importance or the impact of what it is that you're going through. And again, I think it comes down to how easy and how quick we are to minimize the impact or minimize the things that we're dealing with. Agreed. Um, no, a hundred percent. I, I think mm-hmm. minimization is at a lot of the struggle for <laughs> all of us. Honestly, we're probably going to talk that to death over the next however many episodes. Cause I do think that it is at the base of everything. Um, when you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable to say, no, it hurts. It sucks. Like, sorry that it's not a death or brutal rape or, you know, like whatever, but I'm still hurting and it's hard for me to focus each day or it's hard for me to get out of bed each day, or it's hard for me to wind down at night. I don't sleep, like whatever it is, like people will sit there and be like, but I mean, Mm -hmm. nothing really bad happened. And that right there, that, but, and then the minimization instead of just being vulnerable and open, like, yeah, it sucks. And I recognize Mm -hmm. it's not the worst thing in the planet, but it feels like it to me lately. So I'm going through it. And I like, you know, raw honesty, you know, I like, it took me a long time in my life to be able to be honest in a raw way that is required to get sober. And, um, especially with myself. And I think vulnerability plays a big part in any healing, um, which takes courage, right? Call the courage, Brene Brown. Haven't read it, read it. Should. It's good. Um, but it takes courage to even open your mind to the thought of being vulnerable enough to admit things without diminishing mm-hmm. your, your life, right? Like what you're bringing to it. Cause you don't want people to be focused on you or you don't want people to feel a certain way, like releasing any fear of judgment and just throwing it out on the table. Sometimes is the the most healing thing you can do. Well, I, a lot of the times I do think the minimization maybe does come from like the, the fear of the other person, the judgment, whatever. I think a lot of it is also just how hard we are on ourselves. Like I know for me, I am so quick to minimize whatever it is that I'm feeling or going through. And it, I don't really know, maybe in some ways it has to do with you know, another person, whoever I'm talking to, but a lot of it just has to do with me. Like for whatever reason, that's just my go-to is to just downplay it. And, and I think, like you said, the first step is the vulnerability and the, the raw rigorous honesty to just be like, I'm really fucking hurting and leave it at that. You know, it's not trying to, yeah. Like I'm the queen of doing dissect it and figure out, you know, the reasons or minimize it. It's just being able to admit whatever it is that you're feeling in the moment and not feel the need to have to follow it up with anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes, well, and we'll get into it at a later show, but like 
that just not following it with something else goes along with boundaries, right? Like no is a complete sentence. Like you don't have to say I can't, but I'm sorry, but like mm-hmm. no is a fine. You don't need to make an excuse for everything. You know, like sometimes just not following it up with anything is the most freeing way or mm-hmm. the most healing way for you to be. It's not easy. You struggle with it. I struggle with it. Everybody struggles with it. I think the older you get, the easier it is to just be like, yep, this is what's going on. I mean, here for me, for someone like me and someone in our world who works on healing, because there are plenty of people who are so hyper fixated on making themselves appear perfect and their lives appear perfect because God forbid people see a crack in any element of their lives that they're breaking because of that, because they can't even say, I mean, at least I do feel thankful that I've come far enough where I can be like, yeah, my family's fucking crazy. Like we're crazy. Like my husband and I are sober. Kids are nuts. You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a level of honesty that is refreshing because so many people have been indoctrinated to make, to believe that they can't allow anyone to know what's going on behind closed doors, which secrets breed demons and and you're only as sick as your secrets so the fact that people are able to say that out loud but then go and like try and keep things locked behind a closed door to me is always mind-blowing mm-hmm. like I'd rather be out there with my crazy and let people think I'm crazy than be suffering to a level of uh, catastrophic proportions because I'm too afraid to admit to somebody other mm-hmm. than the air that there's this happening inside my home yeah. Or I'm feeling a certain way because of the stress of my home or whatever it is. You know what it is. That's your daily dose of crazy with me today. Um, I shouldn't use crazy because I know a lot of people don't like that word, but that's your daily dose of life. I don't know. Idiocy with me, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, life. Complicated life, chaotic life with me. Um, my so-called life. <sighs> so thank you for uh allowing me to share a little bit into your world without your permission. <laughs> Appreciate it as always. Thanks for coming um, to therapy with Anna and Brooke. <laughs> yes. It's been a wonderful day. No, I hope that everyone comes back and next week and um, joins in on the discussion. Please, please, please. If you haven't yet already like rate subscribe um, to the show. We would love mm-hmm. to uh, see some new people subscribing and, and liking and reviewing. And also, um, if you have a topic that you feel passionate about that you want us to talk about, please reach out to us and let us know. We would love to to touch on stuff that's really uh, struggling. You're really struggling mm-hmm. with to be able to add some guidance to it for you, um, yeah. or at least some some insight. Some yeah, teamwork. Like you're not alone. You know, everyone's going through it. So I think that that's the the call for today. Subscribe, like, leave a review, and send in suggestions for topics that you are struggling with that you would like us to talk about. Yes, agreed. What's our topic for next week? I take a picture of it. No, you didn't. It's uh-huh. self-confidence. Self-confidence. It's dating, I did actually is... take a picture. And guess of it. what? It comes at the best time because someone I know has got a speed dating thing on Tuesday and she's gonna go like an in-person um, and we're gonna get real and raw and dirty about it. And actually, these people dating people don't even know. If you cancel it, I'm gonna break this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the dates are wrong because my thing is on the 27th and that one will air on the 26th. So day before. 
Well, we're bucking up for it, so we're going to talk about it before <laughs> she goes, and then we'll and update then you all. we'll give the 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 dirty deets of God, I don't know the chronic mess that is me attempting to navigate dating. Well, as long as it's not the apps, we're good because we're done with those. We're done with the dating apps. Done, 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 done. <laughs> yes, we are. That is a whole other whole other topic. Yeah, whole other show, which I could go on for five hours about. So this is Brooke signing off. See you guys next week. Thanks for joining, Anna. Catch you later. Yes, thanks for thanks for joining, guys. We'll see you next week. Keep it real. Bye.